This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Well, we're in the middle of fall and heading into winter, and that means one thing, kids and the inevitable coughs and colds. But what exactly is a barking cough? What's croup? And how does RSV play a role in barking coughs? Well, these and other common questions about these nasty respiratory viruses is exactly what I'm going to talk about in today's podcast. So a lot of times parents will come to my office and they'll say, oh yeah, the kid's cough is barky or they'll use the word croupy. And it's funny because I've practiced over the years what I believe it kind of sounds like. I'm going to I'm going to perform it for you right now, but like I said, it's sort of what it sounds like. But I try to describe a barky cough as something that's seal-like. It's it's deep. It's described as dry. It's harsh. And it actually sounds like somebody is barking, like, who, who is kind of the way I do it. Sorry, I know I'm uh, not doing it justice because in many cases, and I know I've learned this firsthand, it can sound really scary, especially in the middle of the night, which is typically when you'll hear that cough. So other things you can kind of associate with this barking cough is there might be a hoarseness of their voice and something we call strider, or it's a squeaky sound when a child takes air in or what we call inhalation. But I want to tell you that it's very specific sound. So let me share a story. I was already working as a pediatrician, young mom. I think Ben was about 16 months old. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I hear that dreaded barking cough. And I'm going to tell you that it scared me so much, I thought for sure he was choking on something. Like, I thought he had inhaled something and it was stuck in his windpipe. And so, even as a pediatrician, I rushed him to the emergency room. Well, by the time I got there, of course, he was looking great. And thankfully, was doing a lot better. And they kind of joked with me and said, he did not choke on anything. He has no foreign body in his airway. This is croup. But I'm sharing that story because it really did scare me in, and it, it can be very alarming. And what exactly is croup? Well, Croup is often caused by a virus called parainfluenza. Now, I know it's got the word parainfluenza, but I want to tell you it has nothing to do with the influenza virus that we are, you know, that we know about, but it literally is called parainfluenza. It's more common in spring, late fall, early winter when those days are warm, but the evenings are cooler. 
right about now. Now, by the time you listen to this podcast, maybe we'll be getting into more of winter and cold days, cold nights. But as I record it right now, we are experiencing in Ohio, at least, really warm temperatures during the day and cold at night, which this virus loves. The cough has that distinct barking sound. And what happens is Children are having difficulty getting air, and that causes that strider versus a cough that is more productive or rattling and difficulty in expiring air. So again, croup is more a problem with inspiratory, in breathing in those in breathing in that air. And what happens is the voice box becomes swollen and there's mucus. And so and very narrowed. We don't typically do x-rays on kids with a croupy cough, but in unless there's an, another indication that we need to do the x-ray. But if we did, what you would find on an x-ray is what we call a steeple sign, because there's that narrowing of the voice box. And because it's the voice box, guess what? When they cough, they sound very barky. And when they talk, they're extremely hoarse. Most kids, though, don't have that strider, that that kind of squeaky noise. Of course, if you do, that could potentially be a sign that there could be an emergency, for example. But usually it's that dreaded barky cough that you hear. And again, like I described it, it's dry. It's unpredictable. I mean, it's unproductive. It's unpredictable too. Well, actually, it's pretty predictable in that it's usually worse at night, which is always the worst thing for families. And, or maybe it'll occur first thing in the morning when they get up. And sometimes I've heard kids um, have these symptoms like after they've napped and they've woken up, for example. But it's a dry cough that is just like I said, dry, unproductive, doesn't have any mucus or phlegm. But remember that you can have a dry cough without having a barky cough. So how does RSV play a role in barking coughs? Well, RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus, also can be known as bronchiolitis. But this virus um, typically what it causes is mucus and swelling of the airways, but it goes deeper into those tiny branches of the lower respiratory system. So I kind of explain it to parents like, think of a upside down tree. So you've got, you know, your voice box, and then you've got the big trunk, which is that large bronchus, and then you've got the 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 branches or the smaller um, trunks, you know, from the big trunk, and then these little tiny branches that eventually get to where the leaves are. And so bronchiolitis is when you get that mucus and that inflammation that gets into those really tiny airways. And that's when they develop this kind of cough that we often hear um from RSV. So bronchiolitis, it can be caused by RSV, but interestingly enough, it can also be caused by parainfluenza. And but how do you tear, you know, differentiate it from croup, for example? Well, it's gonna sound more wet, forceful. There might be some wheezing sounds on inspiration versus like inspirate on expiration versus inspiration with croup. And it can show. They, the child can start to show signs of like increased work of breathing or shortness of breath. But like 
croup, there can be a barky cough because the inflammation and the swelling could include the voice box and the windpipe. So it does get a little bit difficult when we start thinking, okay, could this be RSV? Could be could this be parainfluenza? And really it kind of comes down to just how the child is acting and presenting and um and you know timing, etc. that that kind of helps us guide how we're going to support or treat that kid. So I mentioned that a barky cough or croupy cough um, sounds like a seal. And I mentioned that it's because that voice box, um, that larynx, but also part of the windpipe, which is the beginning, which is called the trachea. So I often tell parents like it, the fancy word for it is laryngotracheobronchitis. And it's really due to that swelling and inflammation caused by this virus that, you know, causes that, that narrowing of that part of the airway and gives you that steeple sign on an x-ray, as I mentioned. Well, how do you treat that in babies and kids? Um, I mean, first and foremost, you want to reduce stress, which I always crack up because, you know, nothing could be more stressful when your child is coughing or you're not sleeping and or he's not sleeping, he's she's not sleeping. And so you want to keep them calm and you want to keep them upright. The more upset they get, the more likely they're going to have strider and difficulty breathing. Often in my practice, I'll ask questions such as, you know, if, you know, I ask them about strider, like, are they going... <laughs> You know, and then I'll be like, well, are they doing it at rest or are they just doing it with movement or are they doing it because they're upset? And, you know, if they're having strider when they're resting, that's more concerning than if they're having the strider because they are upset. You can run a cool mist humidifier vaporizer, and it's very important that you run a cool mist because what cool air does is it reduces the soft tissue swelling in the airways. If your child's over six months old, then you can use ibuprofen, for example, and I would recommend acetaminophen if they're under six months. But what this can do is reduce any fever excuse me, any fever, which can be associated with, of course, these respiratory viruses, but also can help as an anti-inflammatory to reduce the swelling as well. We always want to include, include encouraging fluids and rest. You know, one of the things that can happen when kids are sick is they, you know, they don't want to eat, they don't want to drink, but if they're dehydrated, that could be um, a reason to go to the emergency room in addition to that distressed breathing or that increased work of breathing. We also know that fluids can help if a child has fever because when a child has fever, they're also getting what we call like they're losing, you know, some some of their internal fluids that way too because of the fever. And so giving fluids can also help with fever as well. Now, we do not recommend cough suppressants because it can dry out the airways. I already told you it's a very dry cough and it can make the symptoms worse. If your child's over a year of age, honey can sometimes help thin the secretions and loosen the cough. But remember, Honey under one year of age is absolutely a no because it can cause infant botulism. The recommended dose for honey could be 
anywhere from a half of a teaspoon to a teaspoon, one to two times a day. And what I recommend too, even as a one-year-old or, you know, a toddler, you want to make sure that you're giving it, it's not too thick because they can choke on the honey as well. So sometimes even just mixing it in a little bit of warm water can help thin it out and that can help as well. As I mentioned, cool air can help. So let's say your kiddo is barking and one thing you could do is bundle them up and take them outside to breathe the cool air. Let's back up to my story about Benjamin. And that was, if you remember, I said by the time I got to the hospital, he was great. He wasn't even barking anymore. And I realized what I had done is I took him out into the cool air and just the nice crisp drive to the hospital was enough to relieve his symptoms. In some cases, you can take him into the bathroom and run the shower and that can help as well. But remember if there's strider, that inspiratory squeaky sound, as I mentioned, if they're working hard to breathe, if their skin is caving in around their neck or their ribs when they're trying to inhale, if they're showing any signs of dehydration, you need to seek urgent medical treatment right away. I told you that RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus, can most likely cause in infants and small children something called bronchiolitis. Well, this viral infection is is a very common respiratory virus and unfortunately is wreaking havoc around the country and is causing a lot of pediatric admissions in the in the pediatric hospitals and um, it, it can be very stressful so I want to talk a little bit about it what are some of the common symptoms that you can see with RSV? They could have a runny nose. They could have a decreased appetite. They might start coughing, sneezing. They could have fever or even wheezing. And probably one of the most common questions I get is, is there a way to treat it? You know, it's probably one of the most common causes of bronchiolitis, which I mentioned is inflammation of those small airways, but it can also cause pneumonia in children under the age of one in the United States. Well, the good news is most RSV infections go away on their own within a week or two. And there's no specific treatment for the RSV viral infection um, per se, but I will say researchers now are working on a way to develop vaccines as well as medications that can fight um, the virus, but they're not available right now. So the most important thing to take steps in order to relieve symptoms is supporting the symptoms that they have. So we're not going to give them something to actually treat the RSV, for example, but we're going to give them some... We, we, the tips I'm about to go over will help with the symptoms that are caused by the RSV. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes some people will get RSV and it's just a simple cold. That's usually what you find in older age kids and most adults. But the very young and the very old even can suffer from bronchitis or bronchiolitis, as I mentioned, and even pneumonia, which can be severe. If they have fever, 
you can manage the fever. You can use the -the over-the-counter fever reducers and pain relievers, such as acetaminophen and ibuprofen if they're over, over six months. But remember to never give your child aspirin. Encourage fluids, like I said. It's important for anyone with RSV to drink enough fluids to prevent dehydration or loss of and replace any loss of body fluids. And talk to your healthcare provider. Don't give your child any non-prescription or over-the-counter cold medications because some medications contain ingredients that are not good for children, especially under age six. I use this phrase a lot with my families and I say, you know, children are not tiny adults. So a lot of times they're like, you know, people will be like, oh, well, my child's, um, four or three, let's say, and it says for six and older, I can give this, so I'll just give it half. Well, it it really doesn't work that way. These medications were studied specifically for their safety and their efficacy in children at the appropriate age or weight. And so it is very, very important because there are side effects to these medications and we need to prevent them. So if you do have questions about over-the-counter, holistic, herbal remedies, whatever it is, essential oils. I'm not against it. I'm just saying, please talk to your pediatrician first because depending on how old your child is, depending on how severe it, your the symptoms are, you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. As I mentioned, RSV can get serious. It can cause bronchiolitis and pneumonia, and most in but, but the good news is most kids don't need to be hospitalized. But infants six years or six months and under, they could be hospitalized for reasons that I mentioned just seeking urgent care, like having trouble breathing or dehydration. In most severe cases, a person might require oxygen or IV fluids if they're not eating or drinking enough and even intubation, which is having a breathing tube inserted through the mouth and down into the airways to provide what we call mechanical ventilation or a machine that helps a person breathe. Hopefully, this is, you know, only, you know, in very, very rare and small cases, but and in most cases, if they do need to be hospitalized, it is only for a few days or less. So who is at high risk for those serious um, complications with uh, or severe disease with RSV? I mentioned the very young and the very old. So, you know, children under six months of age, but those that are at high risk for severe uh, disease could be a premature infant at any age. Young children with congenital or what we call birth defects, whether involving their heart or chronic lung disease. Young children with compromised or weakened immune systems due to medical conditions or medical treatments. Children with neuromuscular disorders. And even adults with compromised immune immune systems and older adults, like I mentioned, um, especially those with underlying heart or lung disease. One thing that we've learned, I would say, or that I try to continue to teach other than, you know, to practice, um, you know, good hand hygiene, you know, washing, um, 
you know, keeping your hands clean, not touching your eyes, your nose, your mouth. Those are all really good too. But I remember too telling people, you know, one way to help prevent is also to um, stay home if you're sick and stay away from others that are sick. And we can't forget that because RSV can be extremely con- contagious. You know, an infected person, if they cough or they sneeze, you know, you get the virus from droplets from a cough or a sneeze, and they go in your eyes or your nose or your mouth. So you have you you can have direct contact. You know, that would be like indirect contact. Uh, for example, but even like kissing a child on the face, for example, like if they have RSV or if you have a cold, you know, these are things that that you want to stay away from doing uh, to prevent spreading. But even touching surfaces that the virus has on it, like a doorknob and then touching your face before washing your hands. One, if you have RSV, you're usually contagious between three and eight days, Um, but you could be contagious a day or two before the symptoms actually start. So how can we prevent RSV or croup or these respiratory viruses that are, have been around? They're not new. You know, people might be like, RSV, I never heard of it. Well, I've been practicing a long time and I'm here to tell you that um, it's it has been around. I'm excited by the fact that they're doing more research now to help prevent and treat RSV, but we're not there yet. So some things that you can do right now to prevent it, cover your coughs and your sneezes with the tissue, not your hands or the upper shirt sleeve. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Avoid close contact um, such as kissing, shaking hands, sharing cups, eating utensils, eating, eating you, sharing you, eating utensils with others. Clean, frequently touched surfaces such as doorknobs and mobile devices. Don't forget that. Avoid others that are sick, and avoid a touching your face with unclean hands. You know, cough, like I said, is very common especially this time of year. And I hope that those that are listening don't have to deal with that dreaded barky cough, whether it's RSV, whether it's croup, for example. But I wanted to give you some information so that you know what to watch for, you know how to prevent, how to help with the symptoms, and also when to seek medical advice from your provider. And don't forget to follow me wherever you listen to your shows. I'm also available on Instagram and TikTok at Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. My website is growingupwithdrsarah.com. And I'm truly excited to share information about just common things that families have to deal with, like RSV and croup, for example. And let's grow up together. <music>